In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Broads and Books listeners. Aaron and I have some big news, and we are too excited to keep it to ourselves. We are going to be at the Des Moines Book Festival on March 28th, 2020. That's right. And not just there. We are going to do a live podcast on the main stage. Live and in person. In person. In this live event, we are going to tackle a theme of authors with unique paths to writing. Come hear about authors who have defied the odds to create powerful works and be inspired by writers who've carved extraordinary routes to publishing. We'll talk book recommendations, tell some of our favorite stories, and start your festival day with a laugh. And you can be there, and we want you to be there, and please be there. We are so excited to meet some of our listeners and share some new recommendations with you. Plus, this festival is going to be huge. It's hosting some big names, including Taylor Jenkins Reid, Chuck Klosterman, Tayari Jones, and Laura (laughs) Prusca. You know it. (laughs) So many of our faves. So many big names. But... If you can't be there in person, don't worry, because we're going to release that live episode from that day as one of our episodes. You can also be a part of the event by submitting a question that we might answer live on stage. You could be name-checked on stage. On stage. So if you need a good book recommendation or you're curious about us, you have a question, submit that to us at admin at broadsandbooks.com. And you can find that email as well on our website. Submit your question by March 26th for a chance to be featured at the event. Mark your calendars and get ready for a great time with the broads. We are so looking forward to it. And who knows? Maybe we'll even break out some tuxes, Erin. Never know. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four handpicked book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 49, Mommy Dearest. Mommy Dearest. I just say that that spooky and it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Just let that whole idea and everything it's associated with wash over you. Mommy Dearest. Get it into your head. So we're Mm -hmm. talking this week about moms that you might say could be bad Mm -hmm. or they could just be called bad because we're going to dig into yeah what what some of the ideas about motherhood really are does make a bad mom Uh, per se uh uh-huh should probably take notes (laughs) (laughs) i'm in a real great position in this one because i got no skin in this game but you know we're yeah we're gonna Mm -hmm. dig into it i can tell you that the title alone is terrifying because if Mm -hmm. one of my kids called me this i would be like oh i'm about to die oh god like i raised a serial killer yep that's the only conclusion if you say mommy Mm dearest if podcat could talk she might call me that 
And then oh, like in your sleep when she's trying to oh, wake you no. up, like she wants to be fed. Like mommy, dear. And she's going to start pulling wire hangers out of the closet oh, and just yeah. pulling them over. Yeah. Just with her little paws getting into the side of the bed. Wake up in the morning, step on it. What was that? It's a wire hanger. Oh my God. It's a warning. I mean, I would heat it. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she is a scary overlord. Ruling this household. Yeah. Yeah. Well. As any single child does. Yep, yep, yep. As any only child. <laughs> yeah. Only fur child. God, I hate that. I know. I hate I, it so much when people say that. You fur baby? How's your fur baby? God damn it. It's no. not my baby. It's my cat. Yeah, yeah. It's another species entirely. Yeah. We are coexisting. She's letting me yeah. try to cuddle her every once in a while. The only way that that's nice is if like you're showing up to events with a basket and she's dressed in like a bonnet and people are like trying to be kind to you and they're like, how's yes. your fur baby? Yes. Like they're trying to be kind. Otherwise it's nope. no, it's not, it good. doesn't work. No. no, no, I don't like it at all. No. Mm-hmm. If you come up to me and you say, how's that fur baby of your podcat? I'm going to act like podcat and just swat you Yeah, <laughs> and then we'll run away. <laughs> Which will help, I think. <laughs> or <laughs> else, <laughs> just the swatting. <laughs> okay, well, that's one thing we know that you don't like. For no, babies. I have a really important momming question oh, for you. Let's hear it because I am an expert on momming. I feel like this is one that you're very qualified. Oh, to answer. good, good, good. Okay. Have you ever felt bad for a mom after meeting her child? <laughs> Can I just say all the time because. <laughs> I think when I look at a mom and a child, I see an inherently abusive relationship. (laughs) I know that child is in many ways, intentionally or not, beating the shit out of that mom. Yeah. And, you know, just taking everything for advantage, Mm -hmm. um, just not appreciating that mom. Whether the child is a a well-behaved or a a heathen child, no matter what, I feel bad for the mom. Like, listen... You are, you're trying to raise a human. You're not going to get any gratitude from that human. You're going to get a lot of judgment from everyone else in the world. Yes. You got a thankless job, lady. So yes, the, the short answer is all the goddamn time. About everyone, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even narrow it down, nope. which I like. I like Every that. single like mom, <laughs> every single mom and every single child. I go away and I'm like, whew. Well, that happened. That's, that happened. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's how I am. Yeah. Well, I got a question for you. Anna. Yeah. Since you are an actual mom, uh-huh. since you have experience, mm-hmm. are there things moms get judged for that you don't think are bad or that you would do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, there's a few. Um, I, like the food thing. I, like there's some moms that are crazy about food, like only organic or oh, like geez. they're only doing certain things or the kids. I'm not in that boat. Mm-mm. I'm of the kind of like let them try it and figure it out boat. I mean, I'm not going to say I don't force them to eat things sometimes for their own good. Just like, no, you need to eat because it's mealtime. Yes. But yeah. other than that, I just, I don't have the energy to spend on that. Um, I don't, I also am not in the boat where I want to force them to do anything yeah. like in terms of activities mm-hmm. or that, but really the one that I noticed the most, especially when my kids were younger is that I am not like one of those parents that feels like they have to entertain their kids 24 seven. Like I like them to be independent. I like them to have that time to explore and create their own stuff in their room. Create their own inner worlds. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do whatever, you know, have creative time, do what they're going to do. Um, Evan loves to make, you know, uh, stop animation videos. So he does that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And he does it with figures. He does it on the computer and he loves it. It's like one of his favorite pastimes, but it it takes a lot of time to make those. That is so impressive. Yeah, yeah, he loves it. And he loves making little movies with Mason. Like he'll make Mason a little star. That's great. But if I was forcing activities, oh God, I wouldn't no. have come up with that. Yeah. I've been like, no, we're going to sit and play trouble until somebody wins. Mm-hmm. Like, no. But also then if you're forcing an activity, they're probably inherently not going to like it. They right. need to find the yeah. things that they themselves enjoy on their own. Yeah. yeah. And not to say that we're ignoring them or we're not doing things with them. It's <laughs> just not, I don't feel the need for it to be all the time regimented. Mm-hmm. And I've met a lot of people that are that yes. way where everything has to have like a time and a place. And a, every day is scheduled out. Yes, yeah. be very structured, and you'll do this at this time, and you'll do that. And no, is that I don't know how I feel. Sometimes even things I love, I don't feel like doing. Mm-mm. So then, you know, I, that's true. Even when I try to set structure for myself, I rebel against that structure. Yes, <laughs> me too. Like I set aside two hours for you know writing, and then I'm like, hell no, yeah, not going to do it today. Yeah, Amy, I'm like, it's too bad. This, you know, yeah, Reese's Pieces Bowl and some TV is calling my name. <laughs> 
Are you saying that because I texted you last night that I spilled an entire box of Reese's Pieces once, cleaned it all up, put it back in the box because I was going to eat it, dumped it again, the entire box, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cleaned that up again, finally used a bowl, still ate all the Reese's Pieces. Yeah. I Again, I see nothing <laughs> wrong with it. I was – I mean – I liked your tenacity in doing it a second time. And then later on, I found a few stray ones. I was like, well, they're still good. That's like I a mean, little surprise. Exactly. So like a little treat I didn't know was there. I, mean, I made sure none of podcast hair was on it. It's fine. I, I, I probably eat a lot of podcast hair. I was going to say, I don't real. think that yeah. that's, yeah, probably the worst thing that's ever happened <laughs> in a food area. Nope. nope. I think so, you're right. Yeah. And if you're grossed out right now, I, I mean, I guess go online, watch some food videos and think about what you actually eat in your food. Because according to FDA standards, there's a certain amount of bugs that can be in all food and it's okay. Oh. So just saying. Pocket hair doesn't sound so gross now, does it? Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to get off the microphone now and go vomit. <laughs> <laughs> just do it right there in that bag. I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> it's true. I do have a whole food bag right there. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Perfect. Yeah. Organic vomit. <laughs> You can see that sometimes I'm not the best. <laughs> uh, so speaking of that, do you think that moms get judged more harshly than dads? You're damn right they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's it's very obvious that that's true. I think that dads can get away with the bare minimum, really. Any sort of, just from an outsider's perspective, again, mm-hmm. it seems like any sort of, if a dad you know, uh, hugs their child, if a dad is changing their diaper, if his dad is doing just some of the many responsibilities that have to happen with parenthood, yay him. Yeah. Mom's just expected to do all of that stuff. Yes. And if you don't, well, Jesus, what are you doing? Right. You're a terrible mom. Yeah. Yeah. You're not taking care of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I saw a bit from an Ali Wong comedy mm. special where she talked about this, uh, mm. especially apparently her husband like changed diapers and she went to a party and was telling people this and they're like, oh my God, your husband's incredible, like changing diapers. And she's like, huh, huh, cool. I do that all the time. Also, I put my child skin to skin contact and then she vomits all over me. So that's my reward. Contribution for being to being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron, mm-hmm. do you think there are universal qualities that make someone a good mom or a bad mom? No. Okay. And here's why. Okay. I, I'm always scared of the word universal because besides illegal things, obviously. Well, first off, you wrote this question. So you put the word in there. I did. So don't look at me no. like I brought no, that word I didn't, into the I wasn't blaming you. I was saying in general people say. that use universal. You're right. You're right. Okay. You're right. okay. Because besides illegal things like abuse, you know, the mm-hmm. obvious things that clearly, yeah, that's not going to put you in the mom of the year category. I I just I've always believed the philosophy that you're the parent to the kid you're supposed to be because they're just some like for some kids I would probably be a terrible mom because I don't organize their day or you know some kids that's what they thrive on and they need the moms that are like that or you know they need the moms that have their outfit picked out beforehand ready to go like you know whatever I don't know how picking something old. I don't yeah, know who just, needs that no Someone I was just thinking does. to myself I don't even do that for myself so yeah, yeah no. that'd be rough uh-huh. but I feel like every mom is the mom they're supposed to be for their yeah, kids so to yeah. say there's something universal wouldn't be quite fair because what makes me a good mom to my kids might make me a bad mom to someone else's kids mm-hmm. so because I'm you know I'm sarcastic and jokey and I do that with my kids so I'm sure that they're probably kids that would be devastated by that so but you've also said too that in the past like each one of your children are so different yes. you kind of had to be a different mom yes. to each of them yeah so yeah there's no even just in your own family there's probably no <laughs> universal standard mm-hmm. it always feels like like a war room <laughs> and you have like four <laughs> different generals yeah. that require yeah. a different conversation like you, mm-hmm. you want to get the same result out of all of them but you they requires different tactics each time mm-hmm. to get you to that end result like so you're some of them four wars at a time. Yes. Yes. With very different yes. tactics. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Some of them, I have one child that directness is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Just direct, lay it on him, let him think about it, move on. I have another one that you need to play like kind of a verbal chess situation <laughs> to get them to the point where they think it's their idea. And then you just kind of were like, that is a great idea. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another one that is just purely logic. It, if you don't have a logical explanation, then there's going to be a lot of pushback. If you're logical, he's on board right away. It's yeah. over. It's done. He can handle it and move on. So it just depends on who you're talking to, what's going on. But 
if I try to come up with a universal quality, it wouldn't work. No. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could say like one is just genuinely understanding that they're all their own human person. They're all Mm -hmm. their own entity and they're going to be different. They're going to think different. And that's what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to create a person for the world, not a miniature version of you. So even just that right there is a sign of uh, maturity that I think a lot of people don't have. I think so many yeah. people get into parenthood for the wrong reasons, yeah. honestly. Yeah, and yeah, Trying to make Or they feel like they're not doing a good job because yes. the person isn't the exact same or that, you know, there's just so many things that different people bring mm-hmm. that, you know. You know, you mentioned that uh, there's things that you might not make you mom of the year. What do you think would make you mom of the year? Oh, God. I don't know if I'm in the running for that ever. I think you are. Oh, gosh. Is it like a backwards mom of the year? Like... <laughs> <laughs> kind of like those uh, those uh, awards for bad films. Razzies. Yeah, Razzies, yeah. I'm the mom of the year on the Razzies. I don't know that I, I you know, as long as my children think I'm mom of the year, then yeah, I'm Yeah, there you yeah. go. I don't think anybody else, you know, needs that. I think that. they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I think they do in their own Especially way. now that they listen to this podcast and they're yeah. like, hey, my mom's funny. She's the coolest. <laughs> no. None of not any single one of them have ever thought that. They've all seen me fall way too many times to believe that. See, that's part of the problem. When you live with someone and yeah. you're that intimate, they're never gonna see you they as see, totally cool. Yeah. yeah. They see all those problems. They see you throwing your coffee down the stairs before you come tumbling down. <laughs> Just making a bigger mess than is necessary. So I lose all credibility for messes. Because <laughs> it'll never be as bad as that one. <laughs> They've also learned not to uh startle you. Coming out yeah. of a room. Yeah, so maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, just by being me, I've changed their behavior. Yes. So they I'm are more conscientious now. Mom. <laughs> they know not to startle me so I don't tumble to my death. <laughs> so generally, they go through life just like oh, trying yeah. to be good to they people around them. They want to the exactly. place. That's, that's a win. That is a win. a win. Yes. That's a win, I think. Wow. Yeah. I nominate you for Mother of the Year. Thank you. 2020. Thank you. I know you. it's only January, but... I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna stick. Well, I do have this one thing I've done with Ooh. one of our children that I feel like I can share that um, is working really well for me. Ooh. Mike doesn't seem to get it, okay. and I keep telling him. But so Mason, he's a fickle little guy, <laughs> and uh, he. This is your six-year-old. Uh-huh, for some reason, at some point in his head, he came up with a scale of love. So like he'll say, oh. like, "Mom, I love you hundred. Dad, I love you zero. Oh. Like if he's mad. Right. Okay. 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 Well, Mike hasn't understood. That all he wants in this game is power. So I have opted out. I don't Mm. ever ask what my score is. I don't ever ask for loveies. I don't ever participate at all. Mike, on the other hand, has become like a desperate lover that you haven't called back for weeks. And he's just, what is my score? Give me a lovey. Like he's constant affirmation. And Mason takes such delight in it. He'll never. I mean, he sometimes peaks at 10, but it never really. And I just sit there and he'll be like, mom's 100. And I'm like. And I'm just waiting for Mike to catch on. You have to act indifferent. Yeah. And then he'll love you. <laughs> You're indifferent. There's some the psychology. Yeah. You got to adapt to here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that idea so much of Mike just just trying so hard. It is. It's all the time. Yeah. In fact, we were in uh, Target the other day and Mason really wanted something and he only had a certain amount of dollars We're trying mm-hmm. to teach him, you know, the value of a dollar. And we're explaining, no, you need this many more dollars. And he's like, well, I don't, how am I going to earn dollars? Because really to him, Good he only question. gets his gift. Yeah. yeah. And Mike said, well, for each dollar, you have to give me 10 hugs. Oh, Mike. Uh-huh. And nope. Mason thought about it for a minute and he was like, okay. I'll wait for it. Yeah. Gets out of the store. We get home and Mike's like, okay, you owe me the hugs. And Mason's like, yeah, it's only going to be three now. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, uh, you can't argue. That was a terrible plan. You didn't ask for the loveys on the spot. You just gave him the thing and then thought he would give you one when he got home. (laughs) So I think clear back in the target aisle, Mason clicked there quicker. Like, sure. sure, Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And I'll get this thing by the time I get home, we're done. It's kind of terrifying that he's so much smarter than mm-hmm. your husband already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's just really figured this out. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And Mike was just so hurt. He's like, that's not what we negotiated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike just wants to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to be a lovely oh. ongoing saga. It is. It's already yes. an ongoing <laughs> saga. It's just such a test of wills that I love. And I win just by not participating. By just being indifferent. The best contest I've ever entered. (laughs) 
Man, if that's right my alley, I could totally do that. <laughs> just I don't have to do anything. Well, cool. Okay, Can I win? Yep. Perfect. Yeah. That's Best kinda... sport ever. <laughs> that's what I need to do more with podcast. Mm-hmm. Just be completely indifferent. She'll respect that more. Yeah. Yeah. In those kind of personalities, I want to be dominant. Yeah. That's apparently very respectful. Because when I pick her up and try to hug her, she submits for a while and then scrambles away. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. all right. Well, Mike, I feel your pain. I think we all do. It's yeah. hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, on yeah. that note. <laughs> well, so like you mentioned, though, we have we have picks that are, I mean, hard to argue that the mom isn't anything but terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also have picks that make you wonder, but is that that bad? Exactly. Exactly. So that that bad? some, uh, you know, brain teasers for you. Real We're going to dig into puzzles. it. Your bet. My first pick, Ooh. my fiction pick, mm-hmm. is called Idaho by Emily Ruskovich. Um, this was from 2017. Okay. And the book opens on Anne, who is living in northern Idaho on this very remote plot of land with her husband, Wade. And she's sitting in this old truck that's sort of been abandoned on this property. And this truck is where, years ago, Wade's first wife, Jenny, killed one of their daughters with a hatchet. So, <laughs> so I mean, Anne's taking a real moment. Wow. Yep. Uh-huh. We were in Idaho in this yep. abandoned truck. Uh-huh. I was thinking uh-huh. she was having a contemplate a moment mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. death by hatchet. Death by hatchet. Okay. So this act is one, obviously, no one can really understand. Uh, you know, Anne is, is married to this very grieving man, mm. Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade can't understand it because also he's starting to experience early onset dementia. Oh, no. So he's starting to lose his actual memories of his daughters as well as this uh. act and his wife. And then Jenny, too, who committed, who killed her daughter and is now in, in a woman's prison and still can't quite figure out what the hell happened. Like, what is going on? Oh, my gosh. So from there, the book spans 40 years. It's going back and forth in time. It's jumping from character to character to explore really that one moment in time. So we see the mid-1980s when Wade and Jenny are first together, and they're trying to start this life in these very remote mountains of Idaho. We see the 2020s when Jenny is released from jail and then has to figure out, like, what do I do with my life now? And throughout, we see moments of Anne, the second wife, trying to discover the truth of this story, but also sort of help Wade through his crumbling memories. And soon, you know, he won't even remember his dead child. He also won't remember that their other daughter took off that day and has never been found since. She saw what had happened in the truck, ran as a nine-year-old probably should, and has been lost ever since. She was only nine? And she's been lost? Oh, my Uh gosh. And the daughter that was killed was six. So these were very young children. So... I chose this because it's centered around like the worst idea of what a mom could do, right? Yeah. Kill your children. But there's a mystery to it, why it happened, that's just absolutely heartbreaking. But what I love about this is how rich it is, too. You know, it doesn't stop at easy answers. Mm. It doesn't just say, yes, she's a bad mom, and then move on. Mm-hmm. Um, it really digs into, like, what motherhood entails, as well as what family means. It explores, like, all the dark places that love can take you. Um, it's a very sort of quiet book, if you know what I mean. But And it's a, sort of a small story, but it's just huge in scope, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a great story with the author. Um, in researching this, I found out that Emily Ruskovich grew up in this area in Idaho oh in a goodness. very remote mountain house with no electricity, no running water. Um, and so she pulled some of the details that you'll find in this book, which are just beautiful from her own life. Wow. Also, this is her debut novel, and she won the International Dublin Literary Award, which is the largest monetary prize given to a single author. Wow. And the craziest part of it is that uh, librarians nominate books for this. So there was a single librarian in Bruges, Belgium, that read this book, nominated nominated it for the prize just because she loved it, and then she won. How crazy is that? That is so crazy. Yeah. I'd never even heard of it, but it sounds amazing. I found it, I think, it like Barnes & Noble. It was just on one of the tables, and it looked kind of interesting. I was not fully prepared for how deep you get. Yeah. The, 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 the combination of, you know, this sort of mystery as well as Wade's dementia is just utterly heartbreaking. I mm-hmm. think I was sort of teary at the end, which doesn't really happen that often for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful book. but And like I said, no easy answers, which I think is sort of the hallmark of maybe some of our picks today mm-hmm. is that, yes, from one perspective, this is a terrible mom for killing her child. But on the other side, there's there's a lot more involved to it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, okay, well, my first pick uh, for this fiction category is called Mother Mother by Corin Zalikas. Mm-hmm. And it was published in 2013. You might remember I actually recommended another book by her called Smashed, which was more of a memoir. This is a fiction book. Um, and it features the Hearst family. Josephine is the mother. They have two daughters, Rose and Violet, and one son, Will, and their father, Douglas. So it seems great. They live in this beautiful home. Douglas has this great job. Josephine's a very doting, um, involved mother. Their kids all seem super, you know, ready for whatever life is going to bring. And then... Rose runs off with a mysterious boyfriend. Oh. And all, well, chaos ensues. Chaos ensues. <laughs> so all, in this moment, all of a sudden, the mother's attention becomes really, really focused on Violet since Rose has run off. And Violet is increasingly not able to handle this high amount of intention and where all of her mom's kind of grief and everything is pointed. So she starts going on like extreme fasts where she's not eating or then she's doing like crazy wild things to her hair because her mom's very particular about her appearance. She begins experimenting with drugs. And in the meantime, we find out that Will has been pulled out of school um, because it's discovered that he has epilepsy and a form of Asperger's. And so the mom's decided she's going to homeschool him. And in the middle of this, you have the father who seems oblivious to everything that's going on at home. So in one quick dinner, everything becomes like irreparable after this act of violence takes place at the dining room table. And at the end of that, we find out that Violet is in a mental facility under lockdown. Oh, And we're faced with this incident, this visit from Child Protective Services, because the to see what's going on with the sister and brother, to see what's going on with the mom. And just like that, you realize that everything you thought about this family is exactly wrong. Oh, my God. That everything that was perceived on the outside is the exact opposite on the inside. So the, it's a very, like, dark psychological thriller. Um, you think it's one thing, and then it's entirely a different. But it's a really emotional experience, too. And I think it's because this is one of those where it's pretty cut and dry that the mom's just terrible Mm -hmm. so because of that it it evokes this really emotional heartfelt part of a psychological thriller which i don't think sometimes happens you know a lot of times in psychological thrillers they might give you a backstory or something or which is supposed to explain everything yeah yeah yeah. and this it's not so much the backstory it's just this relationship that you're watching just is just overwhelming as as a reader and as you're experiencing this with violet and will you're just kind of you you feel the blows almost like they do so i can't tell you much else because it comes to a crazy conclusion and i don't want to give away anything because like i said it's kind of a mystery thriller along the way but it was perfect for this category because josephine is like the worst wow yeah so and douglas isn't that great either but I mean, whatever. <laughs> he's just off in his own little Yeah, world. he's just and, g- yeah. ignorant. Ostrich, head in the sand. Like, I don't want to, I'm going to pretend none wow. of that's happening. Yeah. So does the book start with that dinner event? Sort of, sort yes. Of. It hints at it. Okay. And then we're going backwards. And gotcha. then we're getting, okay. yeah. And yeah. there's so wow. many things that I didn't even realize that were going on because you're kind of being told the story from different viewpoints. And then as you're starting to put it together, you get these feelings and then you're like, oh, oh I thought, oh, no, it's something Whoa. different. Yeah. So it's, I really enjoyed it. It was great. I thought she's a phenomenal writer. I loved her memoirs. But then this was even, I thought, man, she's she can do everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was just thinking that yeah. uh, that's such a skill to be able to do both genres like that. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was great. But Okay. So Josephine's the worst. Yeah. All right. That's what the title could have been. <laughs> Josephine's the worst. But they went with Mother Mother, which is also kind of a that creepy. That is real creepy. Yeah. 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 We could have named our episode that, and that would have scared off a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. even this one is probably going to scare some M- people. Mommy off, Dearest yeah, is rough. It's real yeah. terrifying. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's scary, it, and it would fit for this. She is definitely a mommy dearest. <laughs> Woo. Well, for other genre book, mm-hmm. um, so the title of this is called "Dear Scarlet: The Story of My Postpartum Depression" by Teresa Wong. Oh. This is a graphic memoir from this year. Oh, and. I want to start with this quote that she says to this day, whenever I hear about mothers who, who abandon their babies or drown them in the bath, I feel very, very sad, but not only for the babies. I was lucky because I knew I could never hurt you, but I, I understood what it was like to feel trapped. I fantasized about leaving, just getting in the car and driving away. So 
I love this because it starts with this idea that moms are supposed to be instantly in love with their kids, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what we're always told. We're supposed to know exactly what to do. We're supposed to love being a mother from the very start. So someone who doesn't, like Teresa Wong, she thinks in her first months of having her child that she must be a bad mom mm-hmm. because she's not feeling any of this and she's feeling horribly trapped and she's feeling so depressed in so many ways. So she must be a bad mom. Mm-hmm. So this book is a graphic memoir, like I said, but it's posed as a letter to her kid, Scarlett. Mm-hmm. And she describes the days in the hospital after giving birth where the nursing staff don't tell her how much blood she lost and how much like this is affecting her body. They're too busy to help with the newborn. She shows the first few weeks at home where she just has this deep sort of otherworldly exhaustion, just bone deep. And that leads to depression and then to guilt and then to boredom of being around the baby. And she talks about how hard it is to breastfeed with the anemia from Mm. the birth, Mm -hmm. making her feel weak. She talks about the constant crying that she is having, the isolation, the fact that no one around her seems to understand what's going on. So in these months, Wong eventually understands that she's struggling with postpartum depression. But before that, she convinces herself she's a terrible mother mm-hmm. who is going to fuck her kid up. And she feels so alone because of it. But she, as um, it says here, one in seven women who give birth will experience this. And women of color, like Teresa Wong, are twice as likely to suffer as Mm. white women, which I didn't know that. I didn't either. So I chose this book because that idea of being a bad mom, Mm -hmm. whether you're suffering from postpartum depression or maybe even not, it just seems so universal. Um, This idea that you're a bad mom if you don't love your child instantly, if you struggle, if you Mm -hmm. feel trapped. And thankfully, Teresa Wong, she had the resources and the support to to find help. Um, And she goes on to have more children, actually. And knowing what she knows, then she tries to, you know, further help herself with those resources. Um, So in researching for this week and reminding myself about this story, I found a number of articles that talk about discovering this book. And the writers of these articles found that this was helping them name their own experience, like find a name for what had happened to them. They had felt so isolated and alone and terrible. Mm -hmm. And that to me seems so powerful that Mm -hmm. that book, that this book could do that. Um, I also found that she had originally uh, planned to enlist a designer or illustrator uh, because she doesn't have that background, but she started putting a storyboard together, which is sort of these very sort of simple drawings. And she showed it to others and they were like, that's actually perfect. It's the perfect oh, wow. amount of drawing for this concept that you're doing. So she wrote it. She drew it. She did all of it. Wow. And it's it's really remarkable, both the visuals and then the story itself. So like I said, I chose it because I think that idea of being a bad mom can be so much more maybe terrible than, you know, the fear of being a bad mom can then just make you crazy yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's kind of heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I remember the uh, one of the first times that I remember like hearing about postpartum depression yeah. um, as an adult woman, which it's weird because Isn't it? it doesn't get discussed a lot. Yeah. I think it, slowly, maybe more and more in the last few years, it's been discussed more. But I, it, this is so silly to equate it with this. But it was when Tom Cruise went after Brooke Shields for being on a prescription drug mm-hmm. because he's, you know, from Scientology. Mm-hmm. And he said how bad that was. And she came out and said, this was a necessary thing that happened mm-hmm. after my postpartum. And everyone was so divided about that. And I when I look back on that now, I think, what? I mean, even then I kept thinking, well, I don't understand why anyone could take a stand on the mm-hmm. other side of this. Mm-hmm. You know, given other things like she mentions that we've other tragedies we've heard about with mothers suffering from postpartum. Here's someone who was, you know, actively yeah, help. yeah, got help and is doing, you know, that what's necessary to get herself back to a healthy place. And you have some you have a problem with that yeah. and something that you yourself can never experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what do you have to say about it anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I just remember that that was, you know, I just kept thinking, wow, that is a really weird thing to decide mm-hmm. to take a stand on. And then, I mean, of course, then we learned much more, you know, and then there was the jumping on the couch thing yeah, and all that. I mean, but he's problematic in so, so many, many ways. ways. Yes. So many ways. But yeah, I think you're right that there is um, there is still a stigma. I think a lot of people don't even understand that this exists, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that this struggle is often real. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's one of the many reasons, like we were saying in our first questions, like, you know, dads get so much credit for so much stuff and women have to suffer so much more and maybe silently. Too. Yes, yes. They're not, you know, getting that public support. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's one of those things, you know, I've had children and I struggle even with close friends to be able, like if they were having children, it's a, it's a hard thing to talk about. Like I it's bet. not something during the pregnancy stage you want to put in someone's head, but at the same time you do feel kind of responsibility like, Hey, this can happen, yeah. you know, make sure that you, you know, of course, reach out to me, you know, you're going to have a million feelings and mm-hmm. none of them are going to seem right. But it's, it's such an awkward, uncomfortable thing because be. you're making yeah. yourself vulnerable. And what if they don't feel that way? It's very uncomfortable. And then it almost feels like maybe you're judging that per- or that person feels like she's being judged. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. And at that point before you give birth, you know, you're not really sure what to expect, especially if it's your first one. It's like, you don't want to put anything in anyone's head. That's going to be detrimental to their experience or process or add more feelings to something that's already so loaded which is so terrible that this (laughs) i mean this is literally how we keep the species alive but we are not talking about all the things that happen with it both physically emotionally mentally yes none of that it's so much as shrouded in secrecy and this assumption that yes women are just made for this and so we will know what to do yes we will know how to feel and if not you're bad yeah and that we have to perpetuate all the time that there's some perfect way to be, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we see that so many times in movies and TV shows that people come home, they're handling it in stride. Oh, oh they're yeah. great. Oh, yep. Rocking oh, also, my baby. Yep. I love being up at 2 a.m. Oh, and I'm losing all the weight immediately. Yeah. And just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that that's really difficult. Body too. Yes. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which also contributes to it. But. Jesus. Being a woman's hard. It Aaron. is so hard. God. Yeah. So Me and my fur hard. baby over here just, you know. Wait, where is she? Fur baby left. Aww. Fur baby. Fur- <laughs> I kind of threw up my mouth it's when so I said gross. it. It's so gross. I know. Fur baby oh. left. It also just sounds like you're giving birth to a monster. Like you've given birth <laughs> to some rock. <laughs> Like you've had sex with a demon and out comes oh. this fur baby. <laughs> for me, because you're calling it a baby, for some reason it's like a happy monster though. Like oh, you know oh, how yeah, like yeah, yeah. For, okay. for kids, like from like Sully from Monsters Inc. Like it's real furry and crazy, but he's also got a good disposition. Like I was going demonic. Yeah. Maybe yeah. because of my Gremlin. experience with podcast. Yeah. Because yeah, she's not the She's not the happy monster Sully. Guy. No, 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 no. She's no. furry, but not yeah, exactly great nope. disposition. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. She's just not sunny, as <laughs> as you might assume. <laughs> she is. If we did the curmudgeon episode again, it should just all be dedicated to podcast. So much. She is the ultimate curmudgeon. Yeah. She but she's also shit. like real pointed. Like she'd be the great like older figure in like a new version of Dead Poet Society of just like <laughs> – staring at you and like everybody hates you because they think that you know you're so awful but then they uh-huh. realize you're trying to teach him a lesson yeah sometimes when she stares at me that's what i think that she's just like do better yeah she's you're, disappointed yeah this she wants to drive you to better yep mm-hmm. get there maybe that's what she's doing she's mm-hmm. driving us to greater heights in her podcast because of all that damn judgment yeah. in her eyes yes and we just did the really typical female thing and came up with an excuse for terrible behavior oh my god <laughs> okay podcast you're just terrible <laughs> oh man, this took such a put blame where it belongs. Right on you. <laughs> on you. On you. On you, you fur baby. <laughs> now I'm gonna make baby sound like an insult. You fur baby. You fur baby. You're just a baby full of fur. Maybe I should change our Instagram to just be like podcast fur baby. <laughs> fur baby. <laughs> also known as fur baby. Oh, uh, yeah. That sounds like a whenever weird... Whenever it says fear baby, I just imagine giving birth to this thing. I don't know why fur. you're going there. <laughs> That's so gross. Well, let's be honest. I don't have kids, so I'm terrified of the whole giving birth okay, process. Okay. So I think I'm just making... It's just very easy to be terrified yeah, by it, yeah. especially the idea of a fur baby yeah. coming out of me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's... <laughs> Terrifying for me too. I don't want to be around when that happens. I mean, you're not going to be in the delivery room. I'm right or die, so I will, baby. baby. I will. I will. I will. I want to do Lamaze class before my fur baby comes. Okay. Okay. All right. So you want to go to one of those classes? You want me to reach around and touch your belly? That's right. And say weird things. Yes. And then I want you to be my partner in this. Okay. All right. All right. I will. I will. I just. I will. I'm just not signing the birth certificate. Fine. 
fine. I'll claim it. Good Lord. Wow. Suddenly we became life partners. Yeah. A for baby. That's already born. <laughs> well. Okay. I would be honored to bring share us, fur baby with you. <laughs> I'm, okay. Um, yep. yep. So yep. our next pick is uh, another nonfiction, another genre. The Female of the Species by Joyce Carol Oates. So this was published in 2005. It's a collection of short stories by Joyce Carol Oates that's technically under the mystery and suspense category. Um, But I, I mean, I think it's pretty typical for Joyce Carol Oates. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have thought that it was, you know, um, shelved that way specifically, because I guess you could probably shelve all of her writing that way then. But it's really all the stories are about... When confronted with terrible evil, how evil then either manifests itself through women or how they deal with it. Whoa. So, of course, these very chilling stories, there's going to feature some mothers oh, of course that are. are varying degrees of bad. Some mm-hmm. of them are just, you know, straight bad as in like one allows her daughter to find a dead body she's responsible for killing oh. as the way to bring it out into the light. Okay. Another damages her son in such a horrific way that... His uh, vocal cords don't work correctly. And then he takes what he learned from her out into the world. Oh. So a couple just like not a real way to get around it. Bad mom. Bad mom. Yep. Um, But she also has stories in there where you're seeing uh, damaged people and how they're trying to cope or do better. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot lot on the spectrum. Things that maybe, yeah, we could all say are bad and things that we could say, well, you know. Some of these are product of environment or product of what happened to them. So she's really been a favorite of mine for a long time. I remember um, reading her probably too young the first time to really understand it. But I found this book randomly at a bookstore Mm -hmm. and I hadn't heard of it, but I just happened to be looking and was kind of perusing her books like, oh, I've read that one. that, And then I found this and it is it is haunting. It's chilling, um, but it's a quick read because you want to keep going through the stories. And they're all just very interesting. The premise of them. Um, there's one about an angel of mercy, which she kind of took from the story of the nurse that was killing people in the hospital, oh, yeah. like the mercy killings uh-huh. um, and it, how that kind of inhabits a new nurse that's working on the floor. And like, that's one that you're like, ah, you know, I mean, there's so many. It obviously goes terrible, but. There's just a lot of things to make you pause and think, yeah, that's bad. But also there's Mm -hmm. another side to the story. Mm -hmm. So I loved it for that. I thought it was perfect for this because it's not it's not putting everything in that horrible bad mom category, but it's giving more things to think about in that area. The name itself is kind of chilling. The female of the species. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're starting to think wild animals. You're starting to think about Mm -hmm. animals that eat their young and all sorts of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And the illustration on the cover is really haunting too. It's like a woman, like really pale, bright lip, like blue eye, like kind of like caught, like something terrible is happening to her, but you only see her face. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She went dark. Wow. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I just remembered, didn't you see the movie Mother, Darren Aronofsky and Jennifer yep. Lawrence? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sure did. Mm-hmm. I, as I said, like eating the young. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That yeah. happens in that movie. Oh. I was on like a six month movie ban for Mike after that. <laughs> So, and I had to accept it because I didn't know what to say. Like, I. Wait, so you picked it. Yeah. And Mike was like, that was terrible. The worst description of a movie ever. Like, I didn't really see a lot of advertisements for it other than I'm a huge Jennifer Lawrence fan. Oh, yeah, and I knew, yeah. I, you know, okay, I was like, oh, this kind of artsy, whatever. Yeah. And they, they described it as a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, we're going to have like some murders. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, there's murder, but this is, it's not just like, it is. Psychological, I guess, and that the whole time you're like, I don't, how did someone get here? Oh, boy. I mean, she, like you mentioned, there's a part where they are eating a baby. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. I will tell you that. Not a fur baby, like a real baby. A real baby. Real baby. baby. Multiple people left the theater. Oh, seriously? Mm Mm-hmm. I never see that happen. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Multiple. I mean, I heard that it just did terribly. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, I want to say something redeeming about it. Like, I thought about it for days because I thought, what am I missing? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Just Okay. Just one of those times where we've talked about this before with art, you know, where you can get tricked into thinking you don't get it. Like, maybe this person is just smarter than I am or Mm -hmm. bigger than I am. And that's true. I'm not by any means saying that I ever understand every art form or anything like that. This was one that I just could never get there. Mm-hmm. And it, I, yeah. 
it's so weird too. Like I've heard so many times about movies that can go wrong just because so many people are involved, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe the editor did a weird cut or the director, yeah. you know, the vision wasn't what he he or she communicated yes. to the actors. Yeah. It sounded like everyone just yeah. kind of... Yeah, you know, and yeah. there were parts where I thought it was going somewhere and that would have been okay. Yeah. And then it just went off. It was... It was different. I'll wow. tell you that. Okay. Yeah, I've thought about that many times because mm-hmm. I'm curious, but yet knowing that Mike put you on a movie ban, like it must just be a- abysmal. It's yeah. no redeeming quality whatsoever. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm almost tempted to have you watch it just uh, to just be validated to, okay. to make sure that I didn't miss something yeah. or that Mike and I didn't, but it was just. I'm sure you didn't. Bizarre. Yeah. I mean, people, yeah, it was. It's hilarious. People yeah. walking out. But that's good because that's what I picked for pop culture. Did you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually was kind of looking at your list like, did she pick that one? No. No. I blocked it until you said it. Oh, terrible. So for pop culture, mm-hmm. I picked a podcast. Mm-hmm. It is called Root of Evil, mm-hmm. the true story of the Hodel family and the Black Dahlia. Okay. Let me just start by saying prepare yourselves because okay. this one, this one may be tough. Oh. This podcast was designed to accompany an AMC series called I Am the Night, which oh. I watched. It was really good. It had Chris Pine. It was directed by Patty Jenkins, the woman that did Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, but this podcast is so much more. The show is hosted by Rasha and Yvette, two sisters who have grown up knowing about the mysterious background of their mother, Fauna Hodel. And Fauna wrote a memoir which was adapted into that series that I just mentioned. Okay. So as a teenager, Fauna learned that she was adopted. So she seeks out her birth mother, Tamar, and finds a very complicated woman with a bunch of other kids, too. She also learns about her grandfather, George Hotel. George, tons of evidence suggests, killed the Black Dahlia. And he probably killed other people, too. He also sexually abused his daughter, Tamar. Mm-hmm. They even went to trial, like an incest trial in 1949. And at the trial, you know, George is this successful doctor. He's a pillar of the community. So, of course, they're tearing young 14-year-old Tamar Hodel apart. As a result, Tamar is majorly messed up. Yeah. And she does some really, really terrible things to her kids as a result. She is just straight up a bad mom. But it's so interesting because as we were talking about before we started recording, actually, there's that line from Hustlers, right, that Mm -hmm. hurt people hurt people. She was absolutely devastatingly hurt by her father. But Mm -hmm. then she went on to create even exponentially more hurt Mm -hmm. among her family. And in fact, Fauna, the child that she gave away that was adopted, probably was the most well-adjusted because she lived in a decent family. Like, she didn't have to deal with all of this. So over the course of the podcast, we dig into a number of things. The Black Dahlia case and George's potential ties Mm. to that murder, which is so interesting. We dig into Tamar and that incest trial and everything that happened there. Then we hear from Tamar's other kids and they talk about their mother and the terrible, horrible things they lived through, Mm. how they were treated horrifically. And how when Fauna enters the family, when she becomes, when she learns who her family is, how that both helps the situation and hurts the situation. It is absolutely haunting podcast because it really explores what makes this very particular, honestly, just bad mother and Mm. everything that goes into it. And it sort of tries to figure out, like, are we just destined to be who we came from? Because... George Hodel is just straight up evil. Mm. And then he wrought evil on his daughter. His daughter then projected that evil out into the world. And is everyone doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past? Which these two people that are hosting the show, this is all their extended family. So they're really trying to dig into this. Sure. Um, A warning, of course, there's abuse of all kinds discussed. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also murder. But for all of that, the show is actually towards the end, especially surprisingly hopeful because there is a reunion of all the siblings and the family. And they're talking about some things they've never talked about together before. So it starts to bring together this family and tries to think, how can we uh, make things better? How can we live past our name? Wow. Yeah. So would you recommend watching the series first and then listening to the podcast? You know what? I, you don't have to. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the show was very, very good, but there were some departures from what we learn as the factual oh, history okay. here. Okay. Um, it does give you sort of a, a, a sense 
more. Um, you could so you could do either one. Mm. You could watch the show and do the podcast, or you could just do the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one. Heavy. That one is stuck with me. And also, I'm so fascinated now by this guy George Hodel, and they dig into like one of Tamar's kids actually uh, writes about his grandfather. And he was a LAPD officer for many, many years. And he's like, listen, my grandfather killed Black Dahlia and probably is a serial killer murdering all these other people and has published books about it. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Whew. Family trauma. Whoa, kidding. Yep. All right. Well, for my pop culture pick this week, I picked a documentary called Generation <laughs> Wealth. And uh, this is a multi-platform project that was put together by Lauren Greenfield. Um, she's actually been working on it since 2008, and it was released in 2017 as both a museum exhibition, a photo- uh, like a uh, photographic book, and then um, a documentary film. Ooh. So she kind of documented her way as she was making all of these things. So essentially what happened is that in 2008, she started um, with – and it might have even been – before that she early on in her career she's a very famous photographer a lot of success she had gone to some la schools to see how the difference between like kids that were really wealthy because you had some of those pockets obviously in la and she followed them like she'd take pictures of them at school or um, out like on the beach and stuff and so then when she thought of this project she decided that one of the themes that she saw long term through all of her work was how wealth and image did the most to corrupt someone's way of life or to cause damage. And so she thought that she would kind of go back and see like, A, find all those kids and see where they were today. So you see some of them in the documentary film. You see her putting together this whole book um, of all these different kids and all these different places. And she really without what's so great about this documentary is that she never really offers an opinion she doesn't narrate any of it she just shows you the image and then she'll tell you that person's story and you're kind of left with this idea to come up with it on your own like Mm -hmm. oh man i can see how that went so bad i mean she follows a um well she became famous because she was the um adult escort that charlie sheen his whole you oh, know wow. career kind of fell down with. Um, she follows her and like her beginning and then where it ended up. Uh, so many interesting characters in there. So many interesting comments without being commented on, which I think is such a skill to not have to feel the need mm-hmm. to narrate or tell the the audience what they should be getting out of it. But in the background, there's also this really personal family tie. Um, her mom is also a very 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 well known photographer and. Uh, Lauren herself has feelings about growing up and the fact that when her parents were separated, she spent a lot of time with her dad because her mom would go off on missions to do photography or go off on assignments and she wouldn't see her for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And her mom kind of takes the position, you know, I was creating my own path. Like I had a very prominent career that took me places your dad didn't. You know, we shared that duty when we got divorced and that is what it was. Mm Like it had never occurred to her mom that there could be damage there because Mm. of that. But they have a beautiful relationship, like the way that they work that out. But then it's kind of history repeating itself because Lauren has two older children, one about to go to college and one that's, I think, just about to enter high school. And there are interviews with them about how they feel about the fact that their their mom's done the same thing. I mean, she's been gone for, you know, a month at a time or six weeks at a time. And her husband's been nothing but supportive. And but she has her own mom guilt about Uh this. And there's some heartbreaking interviews where you can tell that that must be hard for her. But then at the same time, her boys are wonderful mm-hmm. and super well adjusted. One's incredibly smart, got a perfect score on the SAT. I mean, going to have his pick of colleges. The other one is super talented. They both seem great, well adjusted. Their family life seems great. And so you're kind of left again with that feeling with the bad mom feeling like, uh, okay, somehow we're communicating to these kids that they had less than because the mom was yes. the one with the prominent career. Whereas usually it's the dad. And, yeah. And yeah. we don't usually put that. I mean, the mom's involved. She knows mm-hmm. everything that's going on with those kids. She's always around them when she's home, much like, you know, a, a great dad would be if they had a prominent career. But somehow when it's the mom leaving the home, there yep. must be some sort of damage. Yep. And, and so, it's the mom's fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of explored in this very secondary way in this documentary that I wow. thought was so interesting and so powerful. Um, especially because it, it's not the dad putting it out there. He was, he encouraged her. It was always about support and he knew her career was huge and important and it was going to go places. And 
um, she got one of her first big assignments. Like it was very soon after she had her first son. I want to say like a week. And she, she said, I remember freaking out and saying, see, I told you my career was over. How can I take that assignment? And now I'm going to be out of, and he said, you're going to do it. I'll take the baby and you're going to do it. And she said, so I remember she, she had, I mean, cause she's a photographer, so she's documented everything. She had pictures of pumping for weeks, oh, just gosh. overdoing it yeah, to get yeah. prepared and getting everything ready to go. And she still, you can tell holds all this guilt about leaving her baby for, which is so fascinating too, that it's definitely not the husband putting that guilt. on no. her. It's, it's her own internalized mm-hmm. shame mm-hmm. that we are taught from the outside culture yeah Yeah. wow yeah that had to be interesting but also a little infuriating maybe too it was and it was more sad Mm -hmm. you just sort of felt like oh man this incredibly talented person you know is is sort of struggling and what was really sad is that there's a a moment when her son that's going to college she's interviewing him so she you know she's behind the camera and the question gets posed you know do you think that it's been hard without your mom there, something along those lines. And he makes the comment like, well, I mean, that's just how it's always been. Like, it's this very cutting, horrible way to say it. And he, you don't, I don't think he meant that. He didn't mean damage, but at the same time, you can't help but feel like that's something that's been sort of built into Mm -hmm. kids is like, oh, well, your mom was gone. So there must be something wrong. Yeah. Instead of feeling this, not to say that he doesn't feel pride, but instead of that being like, no, it was fine. Dad was here. Everything was great. Yep. His, well, I'm used to it. And yes. You can just imagine. You're right. It's probably like maybe other kids at school. It's other you know, parents maybe. Yeah. It could just be just watching on TV and all the yeah mm-hmm. moms that are supposed to be around all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was great though for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful messages in that just about – what we're doing and what we're placing importance on. Mm-hmm. So I liked it. There's some tough stuff to watch in there too. Sure. Just, just so you know, there's a couple, um, yeah, there's a couple scenes that are tough, but yeah. I so. like that all of our picks that they aren't really cut and dry. Like yes. there's, you know, there's definitely some bad behavior in yes. some of them, but in some of them it is, you know, figuring out that guilt that we, that we assume. Yeah. As is women. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Ooh. guess what? What? We're done. We are. But we're going to be back. We are. Next Wednesday, mm-hmm. as long as you sign our fur baby's birth certificate. Yep. And accept that burden <laughs> going forward. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? In the meantime, as Erin starts freaking out internally. I'm sweating. And is, and is, I am sweating. <laughs> is uh, drawing on her notes uh-huh. because she doesn't know what to say. Uh-huh. Um, in the meantime, you can head to our website, broadsandbooks.com. And check out all the recommendations we made in this episode. Also on the website, mm-hmm. there's some killer bonus material. God, there is. One of my favorite things right now, Broads Talk Books with. You know it. Killer authors. Mm-hmm. So many great things on there. Now, if you subscribe in a podcast catcher, that comes right to you like an episode. Yeah. Boom. Sorcery. Yeah. <laughs> Sorcery. Sorcery. Yes. I like that you agreed and then you started. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, up, oh, yep, sorcery. Not technology, sorcery. sorcery. Yeah, but really, check that out. Yeah. And after you've checked all that stuff out, you're mm-hmm. like, damn, these broads are awesome. So awesome. Give us a review. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, very simple to do. Um, if you're listening in another podcatcher or podcast player, one wonderful site we've discovered that you can leave reviews on very easily is Podchaser. You can yes. also find uh, profiles of us as well as lists we made of all the podcasts we've mentioned yes. in our episodes thus far. Also, if you feel like, you know what, I like them, but I want to be a little more involved. Yeah. Give us a theme idea. Do you want to be on the birth certificate for my fur baby? There you go. We'll give you that honor <laughs> if you give us a great theme. A great theme this equals parenting. Dissuade people. Yes. So, okay, let's take that off the table. Okay. Just, yeah, no responsibility. No responsibility. <laughs> just give us a theme. Like we said, even if it's just a tiny bit of a theme, uh, you're not sure, but yep. you'd like to hear something about, you bet. we'll make it work. Yeah. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website. You can also find us at two amazing bookstores in the Des Moines, Iowa area. Yeah, you can. One is Plain Talk Books and Coffee with Mm -hmm. wonderful used books. Used books, As well as some coffee, as it says in the title. Yeah. And foods. Foods. Food stuffs. Foods. And local artists, I believe. Yes. You can buy their work. And then guess what? If you head over to Beaverdale Books, Mm -hmm. you got brand spanking new books. Boom. 
both of these places we have displays yes. shelves dedicated just to us where you can find some of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes yes and support local independent bookstores you bet in the meantime happy reading I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.